Solving Water listeners. In this series, we're revisiting the latest happenings in the commercial buildings industry and kicking off Xylem's Building Better initiative, the Bell & Gossett brand's commitment to finding solutions to the most critical HVAC and plumbing challenges facing the commercial buildings market today. I'm thrilled to be back at the Air Conditioning, Heating, and Refrigeration Expo for the first time since 2020, recording live from Atlanta. Be sure to subscribe to or stream wherever you get your podcasts for industry insights and lots of interesting updates from longtime Bell & Gossett reps and Xylem experts alike. I'm here with Alan Jones, Senior Director, Product Management at Xylem, and Mike LaCastro, Training and Education Manager, Commercial Building Services and Little Red Schoolhouse, also from Xylem. Welcome to The Solving Water. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you for being here today. Before we get into the heart of the discussion, if you guys could just give our listeners a little bit of background about what you do. My name is Alan Jones, and uh, I've been with Xylem since about 2009. My focus is uh, on helping guide our product management for our Bell and & Gossett and & Goulds brands and, and help ensure that uh, our strategy is really aligned with the marketplace. And I'm Michael Castro, current manager of the Bell & Gossett Little Red Schoolhouse. Uh, I actually have a 26-year history with Bell & Gossett, 18 years as an actual field rep, and the last five years as the manager of the Little Red Schoolhouse. Great. Well, I'm really excited to talk to you today about this white paper you both recently co-authored titled Commercial Building Industry, Key to a Greener Future. And this paper explores the value of hydronics in the HVAC industry's efforts to prioritize sustainability, decarbonization, and net zero emissions. So I had a chance to peruse the white paper last week, and I really think it does a nice job of providing insight into how HVAC design is at the forefront of decarbonization, this this movement towards decarbonization that's kind of taking over the industry right now. So this question is for both of you, but Alan, you can answer first. Why did you write this paper? Like, Why do you think it was important to, to have this content out there? Yeah, I think it's very important to remind people that there's such a focus on the environment right now, and hydronics has a long and storied history. I mean, our bodies are 60% water. The earth is 78% water. You know, water is just a safe and natural resource of ours, and hydronics has always incorporated that. Uh, if you look at our bodies cool themselves and, and regulate temperature that way, uh, you see examples in the environment. The coasts are moderated by the effect of water. Water is kind of a magical substance, and we really wanted to remind people the key value it brings to heating and cooling in commercial buildings and how this roadmap of a more environmental future can really leverage what hydronics has done and can do. Right, and, and to support you know Alan's comments, when you look at it from, from my side of the fence, hydronics has been around for quite some time, and it's been a solution that's been available in many different forms for heating and cooling and process work as well. And so you know, with this white paper, what we're looking to do is just kind of remind everybody that, hey, listen, you know, this decarbonization has certainly come to the forefront, but hydronics has already been the answer for quite some time. And so what we're trying to do is make sure that we're reminding them that, hey, there's technologies out there, there's system designs out there that support this initiative, and there's not a lot of change. It's not a new strategy. It's a reminder that, hey, we already have it. We're not reinventing the wheel. We're just bringing some of this back to the forefront. And that's what we want to do. And we want to make sure that they understand that, hey, the designs are there. And, you know, the gear towards, let's call it, low temperature. All right, that's the big buzz is how do we provide heating and cooling at lower temperatures on the heating side and maybe slightly warmer temperatures on the cooling side. And so this is just, again, a reminder that it's there. 
Okay, that's interesting, and it kind of is a good segue into my next question, which is about what kinds of challenges does this paper address? So I think more so from, uh, again, a system design is, is that, you know, the use of fossil fuels, you know, condensing boilers is an example. They came out years ago as a very high-efficient device, and everybody gravitated towards that. And one of the benefits of the condensing boilers is that lower return water temperatures improve efficiency. So what we're showing in the paper is that, hey, listen, you've already been designing low-temperature low systems. We can design systems and manage this decarbonization without much change. And, you know, on Allen's side of the fence, with the development of some of the products that we have today, we recognize that. And so bringing that to the forefront, we're trying to make it easy, easier for the engineers to comply with these new standards and new requirements. Yeah, I think, you know, as you see other technologies begin to emerge, like water source heat pumps, thermal energy storage, geothermal um, heating and cooling, all of these technologies that being developed to be more economical and practical all leverage hydronics. And so it's it's something that, as Mike said, integrates technology that's already been developed and uh, will leverage some of the newer technologies coming out. One of the most surprising stats I read in the white paper was that the hydronic system industry is expected to grow by $1.3 billion by 2025, which I think is huge. What do you think are some of the factors driving this growth? Well, certainly some of it will be the regulations. I think there's going to be a certain amount of regulation that is helping to encourage this level of efficiency. But I think the investment in equipment that we're seeing is going to have that corresponding reduction in the uh, actual energy utilization and, and use and become more efficient. So it's going to take some of that investment, but you can see that there's a large portion uh, of buildings electric consumption is tied to heating and cooling. So with the right investment and the right technology, that can be uh, drastically reduced. And we know the grids, as we electrify more things, the grids are becoming under more and more pressure. So this is an area that's going to need investment, and I think that's where that growth comes from. Okay. Like, I don't want to give away too much because I want people to read the white paper, and I will provide a link to where you can get that in the show notes. But could you talk about a few of the solutions that you present in the white paper, some of the highlights in terms of what are those things that are going to address this growth or the fact that there's going to be this incredible amount of pressure on our, our grid system? So, I'll, you know, to start out with, a hydronic system is the most efficient means of the transfer of BTUs. And that's what we are. When we design a hydronic system, we're a heat transfer machine. Think of it as a mass transit system for delivering BTUs from a source to a load. And so by able to do that, we talk about thermal storage as an example. A hydronic system is, in a sense, a thermal storage. And so you know, we addressed water source heat pumps as one of our opportunities here. If you think about it, it is that a heat pump can do both heating and cooling. And so when you're under a cooling load, that means you're pulling BTUs away and actually raising the temperature of the water in the system. Okay. Now, as we enter the nighttime, we switch over to a heating mode. Well, we've already warmed the water up during the cooling mode, so we're not paying to generate those BTUs. We're reusing them. That is a huge advantage for hydronic systems, and that's where that growth, I believe, is going to be coming from. Yeah, I think uh, along with that, as I mentioned, we have to look at products that are utilized in the systems, and we're continuing to improve the ability to leverage variable speed, to have more efficient electric motors involved in the process, our heat exchange our gasketed plated heat exchange, all of the products we use to help transfer that energy, we're making more efficient. And so that design is going into the equipment that will help to, to leverage this. 
Yeah, so can you take that a little bit further for me about the sustainability component of the white paper? So the impact hydronic systems seemingly already have on sustainability, especially in buildings. Can you just speak a little bit more to the sustainability factors that you're looking at when it comes to the products? Sure. Uh, I think there's two factors we always consider. One is the the energy consumption. So as we make um, all these uh, pieces of equipment, whether it be a pump and motor combination, uh, pump motor drive combination, or a heat exchanger, as we make them more efficient, we reduce the energy requirements to, to allow for the thermal transfer, but at the same time, uh, our design of that equipment is making it smaller, lighter, and material content, you know, is part of our carbon footprint. So as we remove content from the equipment, you know, you talk about the disposal, you talk about the energy used in manufacture process, all of those things go down, and that's what uh, leads to, you know, a greener application and portfolio. And, you know, from a system design standpoint, you know, we teach the proper application of the products that Allen's team is developing. And the key there is is that longevity. If the equipment is sized correctly, if it's installed correctly, okay, the need for replacement parts goes down. So to support that sustainability, we're not throwing away or disposing some of these parts. We're letting them operate longer. So that's also one way that we're contributing to that overall picture of supporting that. So then what's next? We've written this white paper. It does an awesome job of explaining this dealing with this decarbonization and efficiency in buildings. So what do you see as like the next step? Like if you had to write another white paper in a year in a similar vein, what kinds of things do you see coming down? I, th- I think road? really the next steps are Mike's roadshow, the training. You know, we have to get this word out. We have to get everybody capable of integrating this technology. So I think a lot of the work is, is now involved in teaching the design community, educating people on how to leverage the the technology and how to maximize hydronics. So I guess if we had a follow-up, it would just be more detail on on implementation. But I don't think we have time. Mike has got a lot of training to do here. (laughs) So, you know, uh, Alan's right. Uh, It's been exciting. I I love what I do. And this year, I should say 2022, through field trainings going out to rep locations, as well as the schoolhouse training, uh, I reached over 1,600 customers in 2022. My mission is to increase that number, which means more time out, out out in the field. But as far as, you know, the follow-up in terms of, you know, future white papers, I think Alan's right. It becomes now more of an education of, okay, let's pick a design, maybe a thermal storage system. Let's get a little bit more deeper into the details and explain what's your thought process to design this system. What's the end result? And and how do we apply products to, to do that? And, uh, you know, again, talking in the field, we get questions. From those questions, we understand what the educational needs of the customers are. So we structure these white papers to answer those questions, not only for the older generation, but certainly for our up-and-coming engineering, because that's, obviously, we have to support the future. Right. Well, and, you know, workforce dynamics has sort of been a theme through a lot of these podcasts uh, here at AHR, and it's affecting all industries, but for sure this particular industry, the water industry, there's that knowledge gap because of the the aging out of the workforce and then also just labor shortages in general. Mm -hmm. So keep doing your magic and uh, (laughs) get out there and and, uh, make sure that we're reaching as many people as we can. I'm doing the best I can. (laughs) So if you had to pick one takeaway that you want the audience to get from your white paper, what would it be? I'll let you go first, Mike. So uh, from my perspective, the key thing is this is just remember, hydronic systems, the beauty of 
hydronics is there's many different ways to solve the same problem. So we offer the flexibility to adjust to the challenges in the field. What's the application? What's the structure of the building? There's always a way to get around those obstacles and deliver an efficient operating, decarbonized, if you will, low electrification type system for any customer that a consulting engineer may have. Yeah, I think one thing I'd say is when, when you're trying to design a building um, and you have those regula regulatory pressures and you know expectations from your organization to be green and, and sustainable, there's help out there, you know, Bell & Gossett, our channel, there's people that have this technology can, and can help you to integrate it. So I know that's a big challenge of what everyone's trying to do in terms of sustainability, but there's resources and there's help out there, and I would encourage people to seek it out. All right. Well, I just have one last question for you both. It's a question I ask every guest on Solving Water. <laughs> you can go first, Alan. The question is, what is the most important thing you've learned in the water business so far? I think I, I've just learned how important water is. You know, I think I took it for granted. You know, it's you look at things differently when you're, especially in where we're at. You know, you sit there and you look at how long it takes a pot of water to boil while you're cooking, and then I say, wow, that's a good thing because that's that type of property of water is what enables us to do what we do. So I just look at water completely differently than I did before I joined the water industry. Having been in the water industry for 26 years, both as a rep and now working for the manufacturer, I think the big thing that I've always taken away is just the fact that it's out there, the interest in applying and using it. And again, remember, I'm on the teaching side. The fact that people are hungry for the knowledge, right? They want to know more about hydronics. They want to, they, they're recognizing the value. And that the fact that they're coming to me, meaning my team, the schoolhouse in Bell and Gossett, to get the knowledge, you know, I need to keep that going. I need to keep that interest level high. I need to keep feeding the next generation. So for me, that, that's been my takeaway is that, yeah, hydronics is here. It's been here a while and it's not going anywhere. It's good. I feel like water in general has become more of a mainstream topic, which I think is just amplifying all the different ways that we can really solve water. Yeah. I think when we, in 2011 or whenever Xylem was born as a pure play water company, it was very forward-looking, you know, and it's borne out over the last several years how right. that was a very wise move, and to segment that and put a company just focused on that really makes a lot of sense considering the challenges of our future. Right, and you know, to, to support that is, is, as you know, our effort is a one Xylem, right? That's what we talk about. We have all the water technologies available to us under one umbrella. And the fact that no matter whether if you're talking to a Bell and Gossett person, a flight person, a Godwin person, any of those individuals can always have an answer for you. If they don't have it right away, we have the resources to bring the answer there. And I think that's the important thing that we want people to understand when dealing with Xylem. It doesn't matter which company you're starting out with. All of the resources are available to the individual and we can develop a, a complete solution for the system. That's why I love doing these podcasts because I talk to people from all over our company and outside the company and we just have such a broad array of solutions and technologies and everything's changing all the time and so I get to meet people, I get yeah. to learn more about what Xylem offers and how they all start to connect. I love it. Well we appreciate the chance here to get our message out. Yeah we absolutely. Really well thank it. you for being here both of you. My Thanks. pleasure. Thanks man. Take care. Thank you. Many thanks to our Solving Water audience for tuning into this episode in our series of podcasts live from AHR 2023 in Atlanta. 
I'd also like to thank all the Bell & Gossett reps and Xylem experts who participated for making the time for me at the show. Links to more info for each show will be included in individual episode show notes. Tell me what you think of our Solving Water podcast by contacting me, Amanda Holloway, directly at amanda.holloway at xylem.com or find me on LinkedIn. Thank you.